Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, page 989 in the Red Bibles. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This reading is Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1, page 1027. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of them to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will be lifted up to the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Please leave your Bibles open there at uh, Luke chapter 10. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, we pray that you would guide our time together as we uh, reflect on the meaning of your word in uh, chapter 10 of Luke. Lord, we pray that you would convict our hearts. We pray that you would guide my words. We pray that your spirit would be working in each of us, Lord, uh, that we might glorify you not only with our words but with our whole lives, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. There was once a priest who had uh, spent the whole day out fishing in the local fishing, uh, the local lake. And um, sadly for this priest, his day had been quite fruitless. Uh, the fish weren't biting, 
No matter what he did, he just didn't, couldn't catch a thing. And so what he did was he went to the local fish market and he picked out the three fattest fish he could find. But as he purchased those fish, well, he made a strange request of the store manager. He said, hang on, hang on, before you wrap those fish, throw them, each one of them, individually to me and I'll catch them. The store manager said, okay, but he thought that was a bit strange. And he asked the priest why on earth he wanted to do that. To which the priest replied, well, that way I'll be able to tell everyone that I caught these fish and I won't be telling a lie. Fishing is one of those activities that seems to breed tall stories, doesn't it? Because the truth is, whether the fish are biting or not, it's not really up to the fisherman. The fisherman can do the same actions. He can use the same bait. He can even go to the same lake or creek over and over again. But if the fish aren't biting, well, there's nothing the fisherman can do except that is go to the local fish markets. One day when Jesus was beside the Lake of Galilee, he was calling his disciples to himself and he came upon two fishermen, one named Simon Peter and the other one Andrew. And when Jesus called them, he said, come follow me and I will send you out to, be, to fish for people. And because Jesus had asked them to go with him to fish for people, they were motivated to leave their boats, leave their nets and follow him. Now, back when I was in high school, uh, most high schoolers get to select which of a certain group of sports they do for sports day. Now, being the athlete that I am, I chose fishing. I wasn't particularly worried if I caught anything or not, which is a really good thing because I really don't recall ever catching anything for sport. Uh, I'd put my bait on the hook, I'd throw in my line, then I'd sit back and relax for the afternoon. Now, I, I just wasn't motivated to catch a fish because that wasn't my goal. My goal was just to sit back and relax. I wasn't worried if I caught anything or not because I just didn't have the motivation required to catch a fish. There was no sense of urgency, no real conviction, no real need. I was content to just sit back and relax and let the fish swim on by. And while that might be okay for sport, uh, that is not the type of motivation that we are called to have when it comes to following Jesus. Our motivation is to be powered by Christ's sacrifice for us. The sense of urgency is to come from the knowledge that those who have come to faith in him can be saved from the guilt of their sins and the conviction that this mission is important. Well, that comes from the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Now, in this morning's passage, Jesus sends out the 72 to share the good news that the kingdom of God is near. And so as Jesus sends this 72 out to fish for people, he provides them with motivation. He encourages them to have a sense of urgency and conviction because there is a serious need 
And he tells them to go and share the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. And in those verses, we'll see that the harvest belongs to the Lord, but the workers are few. Now, as this passage begins, Jesus is sending out 72 of his disciples. Sometimes when we use that word disciple, we only think of the 12, but Jesus had lots of disciples. A disciple simply means to be someone who is learning from a teacher, someone who is following Jesus. And this 72 that he was sending out were over and above the 12 who were disciples, but they were also apostles. Now, they were chosen from among the crowds, the vast crowds that had been following him. And, uh, and what's really interesting here is the way that Jesus sends them out. He sends them out in the same way that he had sent out the 12 back in chapter, one, uh, chapter 9. The very beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sent out the 12 on a mission very similar to this, only their mission wasn't successful. We'll find out next week this one was. And back in chapter 9, Jesus had also set his face towards Jerusalem. His Galilean ministry had drawn to an end. He's now heading towards Jerusalem and ultimately toward the cross. And so is this sense of urgency that Jesus is feeling intensifies. He now sends out the 72. Their mission was to go to every town that Jesus was about to go to and share the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Now, sent out in pairs, uh, that could have been for their own protection, uh, but it was most likely because of the Old Testament uh, principle that you needed a witness to go with you if you had a testimony it only had authority if there was at least one witness but either way jesus sent them out he told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field what Jesus is saying here is that God is the Lord of the harvest. Now, the harvest refers to those who will trust and believe in Jesus. That is, when they have the opportunity to hear and believe. It's God's message. It's about the saviour that he sent. And God is the one who changes hearts and who sends workers to the harvest field. What's really interesting here is that God is commanding his followers, his disciples, to pray to him for workers for his harvest. And yet God doesn't need our help at all. But he allows us, he, he provides us with the privilege of sharing in his mission. He has chosen for it to be his people who get the privilege of sharing this good news. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we're being asked, just as this 72 were being asked, to commit this need to prayer, to pray that God would raise up gospel-minded people in our community, in our region, in our country and around the world, because the harvest is plentiful. Or in other words, 
There are lots of people all around the world that God wants to call to himself and he's waiting for his people to share the good news. Trouble is, the workers are few. And so Jesus is commanding his people to commit this need to prayer. Let's look at verses 3 to 7, where we'll see that the harvest belongs to the Lord, but it won't always be easy for his workers. Now, in verse 3, Jesus gives the second command to the 72. This time it is to go. Jesus is sending them out like lambs among wolves. Now, we live in a rural area. We know the kind of damage that foxes can do to lambs. The wolf is far more powerful than any fox. And the trouble with wolves is that they usually hunt in packs. A lamb is completely defenceless against an attack like that. So Jesus is saying that this is not going to be an easy mission. They will need to rely on the Lord for strength. They are lambs. Lambs don't have any way of defending themselves against wolves. The only thing they have is the Lord, which is more than enough. These these 72 were probably called names in the places that they went to. They may have even been beaten along the way. In a culture full of wolves ready to devour them, they were lambs. They were helpless, apart from the strength that Christ had given them. Jesus told them to take no purse or bag or spare set of sandals. They were to travel light and they were to perform this mission with a great sense of urgency. He commanded them not to greet anyone on the road, not so that they'd be rude, but so they wouldn't get caught up in small talk. And Once they found somewhere to stay, they were to accept whatever that householder gave them, for the worker deserves his wages. Being a worker in the harvest is not always going to be easy. It will at times send us among wolves, but all those who trust in Jesus are called to go and to share in the work of the harvest by counting the cost of living for him. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In verses 8 to 16, we see that the harvest belongs to the Lord and his message is that the kingdom of God is near. Since we are amongst those who are called to go and share the good news of Jesus as lambs among wolves, it's important for us to remember that the good news of Jesus is powerful. Remember I said a lamb doesn't have any defences of its own. It's God's word where the power is. Jesus commands the 72 to heal the sick who are there in those towns and to tell the people that the kingdom of God is near. Now, when Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, he's speaking about the kingdom that he established through his life, death and resurrection. He's referring to his reign over all those who have been welcomed into his family by receiving the good news of Jesus. When Jesus is near, the kingdom is near because he is the king. Jesus knew that 
this message would be received by some and rejected by others. Some of the towns that they would go to would receive this good news with joy. Their sick would be healed and then later Jesus would go to those places and he would obviously share the good news of Jesus all over again. But those who rejected this message would receive judgment. But it's the same message. The message isn't different for those towns who reject them and those who receive them. It's the same message. The good news of Jesus is a message that unites people to God. But it is also a message that has the power to confirm when people are separated from him, when people have rejected him. If anyone rejected this message, they didn't reject the 72, they reject Jesus himself. And so they were to shake the dust off their sandals, a symbol of separating themselves with that town. And they would declare in the streets that the kingdom of God is near. Although to that town, it isn't good news. In that town, it was a message of judgment. A message of judgment because of their hardness of hearts. In verse 12, Jesus explains that on the day of judgment, it'll be worse for those towns who have rejected the good news of Jesus than Sodom. We should we know about Sodom from Genesis chapter 19, the sinful city of Sodom that was destroyed by fire from heaven. It was so sinful that God gave this incredible display of his power and authority to judge. And yet Jesus is saying, these towns who have rejected the good news of Jesus, they will be more guilty on the day of judgment than Sodom. And Jesus declares this same judgment on Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. And verse 16 says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. These cities are being warned that to reject the good news of the kingdom of God is not only rejecting Jesus, but rejecting God the Father. To reject his message and to reject his workers is to reject him. The task we've been given as those who follow the Lord is to share in his ministry of sharing his message, a message of mercy to those who receive it, but a message of judgment to those who don't. As workers sent to share the good news, those who reject us on account of the good news are not even rejecting us. They're rejecting Christ because it's his message and because it's his mission. And this morning's passage, we've been commanded, uh, like the 72, to pray for gospel workers, to count the cost of following him and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But we're not amongst the 72 that were sent out that day. Those disciples were sent out on a very specific mission. Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem and they were to go to those towns, the towns that he was headed to, and prepare the way for the coming king. 
However, even though we haven't been called for that specific mission, all believers everywhere have been called to go and make disciples. We've been called to count the cost of following Christ. And we've been called to share in the mission of sharing his good news. The 72 were living in a time when their culture was incredibly antagonistic towards the good news of Jesus. These disciples were being called to live, act and serve in a way that was completely out of step with those around them. When Jesus declared that the harvest was plentiful, it's not hard to imagine them rejoicing because that's incredibly good news because they were probably thinking that this message would fall on deaf ears. And even though it, it wouldn't be easy, and despite the fears they may have had, Jesus sent them out like lambs among wolves, and they went. They were willing to count the costs of following Jesus. They were willing to be considered fools for his sake. They were willing to be rejected. And they were willing to do all of this because of the good news that the kingdom of God is near. This morning we are being challenged to think about our commitment to the harvest. We've all been called to make disciples for Jesus. We are all called to be salt and light in a world that does not know him. As we serve as his workers in the harvest. Now commitment to this task, however, will depend on our motivation. What is it that's motivating us? Our attitudes to fishing for people going to be like my young attitude to fishing for sport? Will we respond to the task half-heartedly, not willing to count the cost and be willing to move out of our comfort zones? Happy to just dangle in a line and sit back and let the fish go by? Will we respond like Simon, Peter and Andrew, who left their livelihoods, who left their families at great cost and went and followed Jesus? Of course, how we respond will depend on how we have received the good news of the kingdom of God. Have we welcomed the one whom God has sent? Have we gladly received the forgiveness from our guilt and shame by his sacrifice in our place? Have we gratefully pledged our allegiance to the king? Or have we heard the good news of the kingdom but not yet received the king? Those who are followers of Jesus and citizens in his kingdom are called to be fishers of men and workers in the harvest. He has called us to pray for more workers in his harvest and he has called us to go with the same message that we ourselves have received. The kingdom of God is near. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers you. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we have so often thrown in our line and sat back 
and watch the fish go by. We have so often become so content, so fat in our and comfortable in our wonderful, the comfortable lives, Lord, that we have struggled to get out of our comfort zones to serve you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts, that you would challenge us of those blind spots where we have been sitting back and stepping back from the harvest. Lord, we pray that your Spirit would give us a great passion and desire to serve in your harvest. And Lord, we pray, we pray right now for more workers for the harvest. We pray for more people who are passionate about sharing Jesus in Area Park, in Bar Medman, in Talimba, in Coolaman and West Wylong and throughout our region. Lord, we pray for gospel workers throughout our country. We pray that you would raise up many more for the harvest and we pray for countries around the world, particularly those where gospel workers have not yet been allowed back in because of COVID. Lord, it is your harvest and you are the one who raises up workers. So, Lord, we commit this need to you in prayer and we ask that you would convict our hearts so that we might play our part in the harvest too. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.